The Living Traditions Festival is back Friday, May 17th through Sunday, May 19th at Washington Square Park in downtown Salt Lake City. You will find a global food court, live music, performances, art, workshops, Bohemian Brewery, and stuff for kids. Full disclosure, this is my favorite Salt Lake Festival. For details and to see the full program, visit livingtraditionsfestival.com or find them on Instagram and Facebook at SLC Living Trad. Here's what Salt Lake's talking about. The layoffs in Utah Tech just keep rolling in. Now, my relationship with tech, both as a concept and a sector, is generally that I don't understand it, but I know it's important to keep an eye on. So I asked an expert, what is the state of things in Silicon Slopes right now? Is it a golden goose? Later, we have a sponsored conversation with the home of several Salt Lake startups, the Shop Workspace. Today is Monday, November 20th. I'm Ali Vallarta, and this is CityCast Salt Lake. Sunny Washington, you are the CEO and founder of a tech startup called Seer. You're also the former CEO and co-founder of Utah Tech Leads. You're very busy. (laughs) Now, one of the reasons we asked you here is because Utah leaders have told us that tech is the future of our state's economy. The tech layoffs, though, last Christmas were awful. And I think we all hoped that the dust would have settled by this Christmas, but here we are, and the Salt Lake Tribune reports that local tech startup Homey just cut more than half its workforce. So I want to know how you would characterize the state of Utah's tech industry right now. Today, I would say it's still very strong. Now, what we are seeing is what I would refer to as right-sizing of the market. There's a lot that happened over the course of the last several years. If you look at some of the market dynamics, I mean, we had a pandemic People were asked to work from home. People were doing online school. You know, so there was just a change in the way that we were doing things. Capital was also very cheap. um, And so it was easy to raise money under those circumstances. And so what we're seeing now is we're back and, you know, the um, interest is a little bit higher. And we're seeing a little bit of just the squeezing of every dollar that we, you know, bring in. You know, companies are reevaluating and saying, you know, maybe we overspent, overhired. What do we really need for the market conditions today? So, yes, I hate seeing the layoffs. I hate seeing that companies, because I think that it's devastating to, you know, not only the people being laid off, but the people that are still remain. And how do we continue to grow and function, um, you know, with less people? But, you know, I do think that when you see these things, that's where a lot of innovation happens. And there's also really uh, an exciting upside. So you would call it a market correction, not a market recession, per se. Correct. Correct. I mean, you think about what's happening in technology today from the advancements in AI, um, more and more Uh, companies and jobs and sectors are using technology. So it's not like tech is going away. Uh, There's still a lot of innovation that is happening, but we might just have to do a little bit more with less for the time being. Hmm. Okay. I want to ask you, and I hope this isn't too personal, but like if you had a niece graduating college right now looking for jobs, would you advise 
them to look at jobs in Utah's Silicon Slopes kind of network or that they give the the sector a beat? I think that if you were to graduate today, I mean, I graduated in 2000. So like I have been through like a down market where it was really hard to get a job. But you can't say that just because a handful of companies have done some layoffs, there are still a lot of companies here in Utah that are growing. It might be a more competitive job market. You know, one of the things that I saw that was really tough, you know, a couple of years ago is hiring an engineer. And the cost of hiring a junior engineer was exponentially higher than I had anticipated. And now maybe we're seeing those salaries come down. Um, There's a little bit more of a competitive landscape in terms of who we can hire. So I would never discourage anyone from going into the tech industries. And I think like, so what, you get a job there and it doesn't work out, you go find another job. It's not like there is an ample opportunity still. And it doesn't necessarily even need to be at a tech company, but it could be a company that is uh, going more online or changing their systems. There's still so much opportunity out there. Yeah, I mean, tech is, it feels like almost becoming so amoeba-like that it is expanding into every sector. I was looking at the agenda for the most recent Silicon Slope Summit, and I was surprised to see like, healthcare leaders there. Like it wasn't just quote unquote, like tech startups. Yeah. I think oftentimes we think of tech startups as being like B2B, like software as a service tools or, you know, social media. And when you look at the gamut of everything that's powering these systems from the servers to uh, language models and all of these things, there's just so much that's out there that I think that sometimes we just think about the surface of what's most in front of our face. Well, it does feel weird to talk about layoffs and, you know, workforce shortages in one breath, but that is often the case, as you mentioned. Are there roles, I heard you say engineering, that tech companies just can't hire enough for right now in Utah? And what is kind of the state of recruiting here? It depends on who you talk to, right? So I will say, like, you talk to companies that are still struggling to hire um, top-notch engineers. Engineering is changing a lot recently with the advent of like open uh, AI and some of these large language models. And then maybe they're shifting their product resources to make sure that they still stay competitive in this market and produce new tools. But then where I see some more candidates and maybe jobs that are open are in the services part. It might be like account management. Um, It might be some of these like customer support type roles. Um, But, you know, that doesn't mean that it doesn't, uh, it has to be at a tech company. It can be at other companies that are, are experiencing this. So, you know, it is tough to be laid off when you're feeling like, oh, gosh, like 100 co- people in my company got fired off that are fired. That's uh, 100 people that I have to compete now with the market. Um, I also think there's some upside in terms of a lot of companies are still allowing for remote work. So maybe it's not at a Utah company or a traditional office, but it can also be something that you do remotely. I got to tell you, if I were to think about any role that I could potentially break into in the tech world, it's account management. (laughs) (laughs) So you have, that is devastating to hear. That's the backup plan. (laughs) Well, you know, I think there's still a need for that, but there's no doubt that with um, technology, um, people are rethinking maybe what those roles mean and how they're handling that. How competitive are our salaries in terms of the national tech landscape? Yeah, so Utah has gotten a lot more competitive. I mean, we're still not paying the rates of 
what the Bay Area and, you know, each side of the coast are. Um, but that's not to say that, you know, we, we do have a lower cost of living. It may not feel like that from a housing perspective, but salary expectations are just usually a little bit lower here and we're able to accommodate for that. But there are, like I said, roles that, you know, that are still in high demand and still getting paid really, really healthy salaries. When I think about tech employees, as someone who has kind of bopped around in from city mm-hmm. to city in the U.S., I'm like, it's liberals and immigrants. <laughs> like, that's the <laughs> landscape. And so I'm, I'm really interested in how, you know, something like Silicon Slope, something like Utah's tech sector influences our politics here. And I think we see that day to day. But I'm also really interested in how, you know, the Utah legislature is writing increasingly right-wing policies. Some examples would be like targeting transgender people, limiting abortion access. Like how might Utah's politics be influencing the sector? Like what do recruiters think about our politics? Yeah, I mean, it's it's the whole reason why we started Utah Tech Leads. A lot of times when we're thinking from a business perspective, there is this push for us to think about diversity and inclusivity among our workforce because that is our customer base. And so when you think about, you know, there is just so much reports and data that shows that when you have more diverse teams and you build better products, you have better run companies and all the benefits that come with that. And so when we are in a labor crunch, um, and we don't have enough talent that we can hire here locally, um, and we are recruiting from outside. You know, there is this um, perception sometimes that Utah is not welcoming if you don't fit the exact mold that you you perceive. And we could spend all day talking about it. But I think one of the reasons why we started Utah Tech Leads is, you know, if we are indeed a business-friendly state, and tech is one out of seven jobs in this state, then we probably should have some input on the policies that are being made or at least being part of the conversation as to why this might hurt tech companies. And so, you know, a good example is, you know, a couple years ago I was interviewing someone and he said, hey, as a gay man, I just don't think I could work for a company based out of Utah. And I'm on the board of Equality Utah. And so I, you know, that's my moment where I get to like educate someone and say, no, we're very gay here in Salt Lake. And, you know, here's all the great things that we're doing and and the rights that we have. But, you know, that that takes a conversation, but that was not the perception. Um, And so sometimes when we're running policies, there is a frustration that it, it is working against the dollars that companies are spending to recruit and and showcase their company and recruit people to the state. Now, people can say, well, then go back to where you came from or, you know, don't move to Utah, don't California, my Utah. But the reality is, is that there has to be a balance between those things. And I think the challenge is that we are indeed a business-friendly state. And in order for us to sustain the growth that we have to have, Uh, a workforce that we can hire from. And I have a daughter who's 17. I would love for her to stay in Utah and be be here and, you know, and and get a job here and go to school here. But, you know, she doesn't want to be here. 
it's not so simple. There are so many market dynamics to these things from the Utah Tech Leads perspective. It's just to be a part of that discussion. So to show a different perspective as to why we might push back. I think, too, the other thing about being business-minded people, there is a frustration sometimes that these message bills, and I, I would imagine that sometimes the legislature gets frustrated by yeah. the message bills, you know, whether whatever part side you sit on, that is taking up so much of the air about what's going on in the state. There's great things going on, but we're talking about a controversial bill. We're talking about the state flag and that's taking, you know, taking up a lot of time. And so I think there is like sometimes a frustration that we're spending too much time and money and resources and taxpayer dollars to, you know, do lawsuits, to put in policies that are not constitutional, all of these things. And from a business perspective, like that is not how you would run a business. Um, And so I think that the more people that we have voicing opinions and it's not voicing it on Twitter and like screaming at a legislator, that's not the way to get things done. But like really having those conversations and relationships with them to talk about the issues. Yeah. Because aside from like the quote unquote, like messaging bills, some of these really divisive ideas that come from national think tanks, like they don't feel like a Utah groundswell. If you think about something like the Great Salt Lake, like if we're trying to recruit people to live in this valley, like that's an existential, that's a problem looking for a solution, not a solution looking for a problem. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I mean, that's that's a big issue for a lot of the tech companies is the environment. It's always in the top three. That's interesting. I'm not surprised. One of the reasons, as you mentioned, that Utah is attractive to startups is that it is, you know, quote unquote, a great state to do business. And you're starting up a new company right now. It's called Seer. And you might do a better job explaining it than me. But as I understand it, the goal is to make it easy for Utahns to connect with their government and to understand how government decisions are made, what government decisions are being made, and what their opportunities are to get involved. How did I do? Yes, I, I, you're hired. Yeah. <laughs> so, okay. Great. Account oh, manager. Good. Can I be yeah. an account manager? Yeah, you can be an account <laughs> manager. Yeah. I mean, one of the things that I noted, you know, because I'm not a, necessarily a politico. Oh, come on. You founded a pack. Well, but not at that time. It was like going up there and spending time and thinking, Oh, so this is this is how things are done and not realizing clearly like my US civics class did not prepare me for the way things were done. But the reality is is once I figured that out and then saw all the people around it that are influencing policy, all the people that are engaged and then I had to go to a state website to like read policy, I was like, "Oh my gosh, like it hurt my head." And so I was thinking about all the other people that don't engage whether or not they uh, don't care or they're apathetic or they don't even know how, like they care, but they don't know how to be effective. Um, And that was really the impetus uh, for SEER. And, you know, there is a lot of excitement. I think we are entering into an election year. Uh, We're seeing across the nation 130,000 state bills. So if you think about like Utah is like maybe 1,000 to 1,200 or so, can you even imagine like the knowing what to do and who to talk to and even how to read a bill and where to find it on the website. So our goal is just to make it easier for everybody and then building those workflow tools um, so people can track what they care about and get engaged.
Whenever posture comes up in conversation, we all do that thing where we immediately sit upright and pull our shoulders back. Did you do it just now? I did a movement session with Chandler at Embodied Patients, and after a few gentle corrections, I was surprised to find sitting up straight is incredibly easy. Chandler's practice combines over a decade of study in yoga, Pilates, and the Alexander Technique. So why should you invest in your posture? Let's start with the link between better posture and better breathing. Whether you're returning to activity from an injury, looking to manage pain, or just have the sense things could be a little easier, Chandler will teach you to create sustainable movement habits so that you can enjoy the things you love for longer. Maybe that's running marathons. Maybe it's walking the dog. Visit embodiedpatients.com to book a session with Chandler and give yourself the gift of your own attention. Spring is when leases expire, and if you're looking for a new or better apartment situation, here's the scoop at Ico Fort Union. Fort Union is Ico's newest build in Cottonwood Heights off 1300 East and 6720 South. And as they say in real estate, location, location, location. Ico Fort Union puts you 10 minutes from the mouth of Big Cottonwood Canyon and central to all the Fort Union shops and restaurants, but the complex is located on a dead-end street, so you get peace. Ico Fort Union offers studio, one, two, and three-bedroom apartment homes, plus these very cool three-bedroom work-live apartments, so if you're starting something new, you can live above your business space. Amenities include a pet spa, a spin loft, a bike hub, and EV charging stations. And they are signing leases right now. So visit liveatfortunion.com for a tour. What's it been like starting a new tech company right now in the middle of, you know, what we're here to discuss, some economic uncertainty with inflation, the fear of a recession, how does it compare in your mind to what starting this business might be like in a different market like Austin or San Francisco? You know, I started another company in 2014, was part of another fast-growing startup in 2010. So really like great years for the economy and all of that. But personally, I think right now is the best time to start a company. When there is market downturn, you know, you have a lot of companies that raised capital and maybe were overvalued um, and now they're running out of money or they're having to do layoffs or they have to go out and raise additional capital. For me, I get to start from zero. So there's nothing lower than that. And so I get to start from scratch. And so for me, I think this is the best time to innovate. This is the best time to build. And it from the very beginning, because capital isn't as readily available, you just learn to be efficient from the get-go. One of my perceptions of tech is there are a lot of highs and lows. Mm -hmm. Like to your point, like capital can show up in like lavish ways and then it goes away and like things get overvalued. Like, I don't know, do things get overvalued in tech more than other sectors? Like I think there's this sense that anything that's being sold as part of the like tech frontier could go away at any minute, like that it could be brief. Sure. I mean, we there are legendary stories of not necessarily companies in Utah, but, you know, raised so much money and then like, you know, are claiming bankruptcy and, and or have disappeared. And I think 
to be honest, if there's a lot of Utah founders that are built just a little bit differently. I think, I don't know if it's like the pioneer stock or like the Mormon, you know, like influence here, but (laughs) yes, there have been companies that have raised like a ton of money, but I wouldn't say that that is like the, the norm. And I've seen a lot of companies here with founders who are maybe a little bit more conservative in the way that they're executing or growing their companies. And, you know, it's, it's too late to say, to me to say like, hey, this uh, moment in time is how we define tech because I've just seen like recessions and I've seen different cycles go through. And I think it's just all a part of this j- journey. But if you look at the trend line, it's up and to the right you know, for the most part. And so I think there are still some incredibly great things happening. Where I would like to see more is more women starting companies. I'd love to see more people of color and women get venture capital. They still only get 2% of the uh, overall capital uh, that is allocated. And that number has not changed in the 10 years that I've been doing this. So I would like to see more there because I think that, you know, if you look at... um, I, I think I had heard a number, so don't you know quote me on this, but there, there are more female entrepreneurs than male entrepreneurs in the state. And you think about like the Etsy shops and all of these other companies, influencers that are selling their own products, they're doing it a different way. They're not raising capital. You know, they're bootstrapping it. And that that is a success as well. So, you know, we get enamored by like big fundraising numbers and saying like, oh, you've made it. But we know plenty of companies that did not make it after raising that money. So I think we have to look at everything pretty holistically. Sunny Washington, CEO of Seer, co-founder of Utah Tech Leads. Thank you so much for your time. I know you are busy. Thanks for having me. The funny thing about Sunny Washington and me is that we met because we share a co-working space, the Shop SLC on 400 South. So while I've got you, please enjoy this sponsored segment with CityCast's Andrea Salenzi in conversation with Ann Olson. Ann is the community manager at the shop, and we'll hear how the shop offers Salt Lake professionals a whole lot more than just office space. Hi, I'm Andreas Lenzi, Content Director at CityCast, and I'm so excited to be joined today by Ann Olson from The Shop. The Shop is a co-working space located just east of the library at 350 East 400 South. Stop by and enjoy a complimentary day of co-working when you mention this interview. Ann Olson, welcome to CityCast Salt Lake. Hi, thanks so much. I'm really excited to be here. And you're the community manager at The Shop. What's the community like there for someone who's been thinking about joining? I'm really proud of the community that we've built here at the shop. Typically, co-working spaces will say, you know, we're for this industry or that industry. And when we set up to build the shop, we were really focused on finding people that were doing their life's work, not someone who's just coming in to punch a clock, get their work done, head home, though we all have days like that. And as a result, the amount of innovation and connections that have spurred from a community of people who really care about what they do and how they're doing it and where they're doing it in Salt Lake City has led to some really incredible things. What would be your advice for someone's first day? Like, does everyone there know each other already? 
Is that hard to meet new people? What I find more often than not is you probably already know someone who is at the shop or is a friend of a friend at the shop. But if you're also looking to meet people, let my team know it's our job to make that introduction happen. So lean in, go to that happy hour, show up to that member breakfast, linger a little bit in the kitchen, and my team will make sure that you're meeting the people you want to meet. So what are some connections that you've helped foster that have led to collaborations that wouldn't have been possible without the shop? So we have amazing companies like V-School doing events over at Blue Jeans and SNS owns Blue Jeans. So that's really fun. Or maybe a quality Utah and SNS were able to get even closer through being neighbors. And now they get to have a booth at this Twilight show and beyond those kind of front facing public connections that are really tangible. I also see a lot of people who either they become friends and they start going to happy hour at the local every Thursday night, or they're really stuck on this pitch deck and they just can't figure out how to break past that. This guy over here is a consultant and that's what he does every single day. So you're out there making Small Lake City even smaller. Now, what if you're having the kind of day where you don't want to talk to anyone? Yeah, we definitely have you covered. So what's great about the shop is it's 30,000 square feet in total. About a third of that is open common space. And each floor has its own kind of vibe as a result. So our fourth floor is our quiet floor. It's not a library, but it's quieter, a little less hustle and bustle, no music playing. So you can get to work, get focused and do your thing. You have all these workspace options. There's an incredible roof deck. The location's insane. But There's also a social mission that's going on behind what you do at the shop. What are some of the values that drive this business? Part of what makes our city so cool is this willingness to help one another. It's really not like that in a lot of places. And we really were able to cement that vibe in Salt Lake City at the shop through our My Community program. So we partner with three different nonprofits every year. This year we have Spy Hop, Equality Utah, and the Spice Kitchen Incubator. And we donate both time and some money as well to really help them move forward their missions every year. So prioritizing those things through acts of service, we're doing a food drive right now, things that you really want to do, but you don't always have the time to do. It's our job to facilitate those opportunities. You can kind of pop in and out when you're available. There's nothing like coming in to a group of people that are wanting to help their community putting on some gloves, making some peanut butter and jelly sandwiches, and knowing that they went to elementary school kids in our community that are maybe food insecure. I love that. So what else are you able to offer members beyond the workspace and beyond uh, this community giving? Yeah, so we do tons of events. Our goal is at least 20 events every month. And we have a really wide range. So we partner with the Wine Academy of Utah for wine tastings. We work with other local organizations like Silk and Slopes to do things like a mayoral forum that we hosted. We're actually getting ready to launch a concierge solution soon. So if you're wanting to send flowers for someone's birthday and you really just don't have time to do that or you don't want to track down the perfect bouquet, right? We're able to help facilitate that. So it's really about making your life as easy as possible and as interesting as possible so that you can just get back to doing your best and most creative work. I have one last super important question. (laughs) How's the coffee? It's great. I'm biased because I picked it out, but I will say cold brew, super popular, As we move into the colder months, I'm really partial to this custom espresso blend we made with King's Peak. So you can only get it at the shop. And rumor has it the holiday blend from Salt Lake Grossing Company is coming soon too. So get your taste buds ready. So if you've listened to this interview, you can try the coffee yourself and enjoy a free day of co-working at the shop. 
just mention you heard our wonderful guest, Anne Olson. Thank you for joining us, Anne. Yeah, thank you so much for having me. This is great. The shop is located just east of the library at 350 East 400 South. Again, just mention you heard about the shop on CityCast Salt Lake, and they're going to set you up with a complimentary place to work for the day. Maybe it's going to be the most productive day you've had in a while. Learn more at shopworkspace.com. That is all for us today here on CityCast Salt Lake. Thank you for listening. We will be back tomorrow morning with more from around this city. Bye.